You're in tune to the Underrated Dudes Podcast featuring DJ Sean Blue, Big Al, and Claude Deuce. Fellas, fellas, man, we finally hear the Underrated Dudes. It's good to be on with you guys. Thanks uh, to all of our listeners out there for this uh, inaugural episode of the Underrated Dudes Podcast, man. Al, how you feeling, man? Man, look, I'm feeling good, baby. How y'all doing? I'm straight, man. Blue, what's what's up? Yo, I'm here. I am here, my brother. Man, I'm so <laughs> glad to have y'all on. <laughs> For those of y'all listening, look, we are the underrated dudes. DJ Sean, <laughs> yeah. Big Al, and myself, Claude Dudes. We are the underrated dudes. We've been talking about this for a minute. We're finally here with it. So glad that you're tuning in to this podcast. There's so much more to come weekly, all right? So uh, just, just groove with us. Ride with us. Get on this journey with us. Um, I believe it's going to be informative. It's going to be fun. And um, we're just going to have a good time. So look, Al, I want to start out with you, man. We, the people, some of, some of them know us, you know, they, they, they're listening because we posted this on our social media or whatnot, but then somebody might just stumble upon this. Al, tell the people uh, just a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into some Q and a of how you got started, but just, Oh man. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a, uh, what some people consider gospel hip hop recording artist, uh, speaker, preacher, teacher, former educator from Northeast Louisiana. And, uh, man, I've been in the game for a dub, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, just excited to, to be a part of the podcast and, you know, to do this with my brothers is exciting. Uh, man, we've been in the trenches together for a long time. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, just grateful to be a part of this podcast. Hey, man. Appreciate you, dude. Yes, sir. Sean Blue, DJ Sean <laughs> Blue. Bro, tell yeah, the people man. a little bit about yourself. All right. Just let them know who you are. DJ Sean Blue, Sean Blue, six male. I'm a father, I'm a husband, a minister, what you call, quote unquote, a gospel DJ, DJ, you know what I'm saying? And um, just been in the game for, man, I've been in the game over 20 plus years, man. So yes, sir. I'm here, man. Glad to be here. And uh, hey, I'm ready to talk. Let's go. That's what's, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. And you know, my story is very similar to you guys. I am singer, songwriter. Um, gospel artist, producer. I'm a minister of the gospel and uh, I've been at it 20 plus as well. And just like you two, I got some stories and we going, you know, later on, we're going to get into some of that. But um, uh, Sean, man, let's start with you. How, how did you, how did you get started? Um, like just for your love of DJ like what, what pushed you in that direction? And when was it that you, you really knew that, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Well, I'm going to try to make it short as possible. Um, to get into the DJ part, it all began me playing the drums. Okay. I wanted to be a drummer first. Okay. That was my original aspirations. I always had a love for music. That's just because music was always played in my household. Mom and pops always was listening to music. So the love of music was always there. So... Um, like I said, I, I began playing drums about 10 years old, and that's just after um, football. I played Little League football, rec football, and I thought I was going to be a football player. But as I was growing older, mm -hmm. 
a lot of injuries. <laughs> so Pops was like, nah, bruh, the football, the organized football stuff, we're going to end that. So my thing was uh, just started getting really um, zoning in on music, man. And um, one of the things I really got me inspired was they I went to a concert with my parents and uh you know I was watching the band I was and so I was locked in on the drums and then I told my mom I remember telling my mom I looked up at mom and said yo I want to do that and she said what I said that over there the guy playing the drums I want to be a drummer so I started um playing drums man at age of 10 years old started my own neighborhood band <laughs> it was like the little rascals yeah and then um I, man, I got into that real serious for about a couple of years. And then um, my dad brought me my first drum set. So, nice. you know, I was like, yo, that was that was really official because when I started learning how to play drums, a friend of mine had a toy drum set. I'm saying so, you know, we kind of swapped that, that swap out of that when we formed the band because I had the keyboard player. It was, you know, my brother Cam. Cam had a keyboard player that my dad bought, but I was, you know, using that. And um, well, anyway, we started the band and I really got into drums real heavy. And then doing that a couple of years, got a drum machine, okay. got inspired to start, you know, making beats on the drum machine. And that's what kind of led me to wanting to get into beat making and production. So I did that for a long time. And then um, I kind of, you know, with hip hop. Kind of got into, um, you know, watching, you know, guys program beats. You know, I got in, my I got into a cat named Mantronic. He was like the first hip hop producer that made beats. So I got mm-hmm. into that. And then you know, with hip hop back then, you kind of dabble in everything. I wasn't a rapper because I couldn't rap. I played the drums. That gave me kind of like, you know, what I wanted to do. You know, with the beat. You know, making the beats. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, along with a lot of DJs became were known for producers. So I kind of felt like I needed to learn how to dabble into DJing a little bit. But that wasn't something I really wanted to do because mm-hmm. I moved from wanting to be a drummer into becoming a uh, producer. And Jay, yeah. you know, when I was, um, yeah. you know, I had the hip hop group, um, Hey Jale, as you remember, yes. that came a little later. But anyway, I got into a, um, production, and then you know, once I did the beats and all that, it was I needed something to do. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt like I needed to learn how to DJ, get into DJing. So I kind of stumbled in doing that, and um, that's yeah. where I really found my niche, man. Because playing drums, I got tired of playing by myself, and with production and making beats, man, I just didn't have the money <laughs> to keep up, with, you know, buying equipment. So and I, I kind of got into uh, DJing, man, I, and it took off from there, man. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, yeah, that's 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 the gist of it. So how old were you when you started DJing? Well, I, I picked it up around 14, 15 years old. Okay. You did, like, maybe your first event, your first party around that age? Yeah, I say about 17, 18 you know, okay. a little house party with friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? And at that time, I really didn't have, have any real turntables. I had like maybe a um a JVC joint and I had a 
bell-driven Morant. You know, I kind of like a makeshift setup, man. But you know, mm-hmm. I was doing, I was doing what I had, what I had. So yeah. I made it happen, man. That's what's up, man. So let me. I gotta ask you this. So, like in high school, right? Were you were you that guy that was making like tapes for people? Like, were people requesting for you to make tapes or or do certain things? Did you get uh, any of the the rappers at school to like hop on your tapes or anything? Did you get into like the mixtape game at that time, or was that popping then? Well, it was more like I I was in a group, so. Mm-hmm. But the group, we would do a lot of recordings at the crib. You know, I had right. a, I had a, had a rap group. You know, we was trying <laughs> we was trying to make it just like everybody else, man. We was real serious about it. And I mean, like, I took it real serious, man. Like, after school, you know, mm-hmm. if I didn't have no homework, man, I had the fellas over there recording. Right. And, um, my whole thing was I wanted to become a hip hop star. I wanted yeah. to be. I wanted to be on Yo MTV Raps. <laughs> that was yeah. that was my goal. If I make it to Yo MTV Raps, you know, yeah. that that was the thing I wanted to do, man. So yeah, we just we did that faithfully, man. And yeah, I remember, uh, man. Yeah, so that was that was the thing I wanted to do. That was, was, that nice was the goal. The, you was nice with the beats. I remember y'all performing at the church, Eighth Avenue. And um, man, I was you know I was a little kid, man. But I remember like, dang, man, this beat is nice. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you did it. Yeah, and, and you know the funny part with that was, like you said, you was younger. Yeah, and um, at, that's when I was in the 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 Christian rap group at the time. Yeah, we was called Hey Jolly. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if you remember, but it was like. We had pastor was pushing a New Year's Eve watch night service, but he wanted to do something real different. Yep, so, yep. you know, we was all amped about what was going to take place on New Year's Eve. And so I was like, you know, I was still, you know, I was young, but I was still like still new at the church. So mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I got a group and I need to ask pastor. I'm trying to see if I can see if we can get on. <laughs> and I mustered up the strength. <laughs> and I said, uh, I'm with Pastor Claude. I said, Yeah, Pastor, um, I got a rap group. And he was like, Okay. Um, and I want to see if we can get on the program. And so he kind of paused. He gave me that look. You know that look. Oh, yeah. And he said, uh, He said, uh, <laughs> Okay, Sean. Okay. But then he said, All right, Sean. I don't want no mess. I was like, nah, nah, nah. We, you know, we're Christian rap group, you know, we're talking about Jesus. Right, right. <laughs> so right. he said, okay. So he actually put me on. Matter of fact, the Eighth Avenue gig was like my first Christian hip hop, my Christian platform to yeah. do that. You know what I'm saying? Cause you know, prior to that, man, I was I was with a group, we was talking about doing any and everything, you know what I'm saying? But when yeah. I joined the um the hip hop group, um, Hey Jale, man, that was that was the new goal to uh do Christian music. So, yeah, the Eighth Avenue New Year's Eve was the first platform for me to do Christian hip hop. Okay, man, hey, that's what's up. Yep. That's what's up. Hey, Sean, what does what does Hey Jale mean? It was freedom in the language of Ghana, African. Oh. Yeah, it was called freedom. Cause see, back then we was. Um, we had our influences in uh, hip hop and Public Enemy was our one of our biggest influence. So we wanted to be the PE of gospel hip hop. 
we wanted to bring the we wanted to come hard and bring the the, the consciousness and 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 all that to 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 Christian hip hop. So yeah, we we he came up with the name Hey Jale, man, and one of our biggest hits. <laughs> it was called Black is Back in Zion. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, man. That's what's up, man. What's up? Oh. L, man, let me let me get to you, man. What yes, sir. What was the beginning like for you? Like who who influenced you to rap and sing? What was that like for you in the beginning? Like when when did somebody point out to you like, oh, you got it? Oh yeah, well, so man, that my journey was you know really weird. Like every every I'm starting to realize, bro, that everything that I've done in my life has been incredibly weird, some kind of way. Like this is just like I don't even know how you know I, I stumbled upon it. I remember you know growing up as a kid, you know there was man, I was crazy about Michael Jackson and Prince, like to the point where I used to tell people that Prince was my dad. Like, you know, it was weird. It was like, you know, I used to tell people like Prince was my dad. I remember in first grade, I got put out of class because I was singing the dog out of Darling Nikki. Of all songs. Of all songs. And I didn't know what it meant. You feel me? I was just like, I'm going off. I'm coloring. I knew a girl named Nikki. I get you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going And uh yeah, I got in trouble for that. But like throughout throughout grade school and everything like that, like I dibbled and dabbled and dabbled into uh the school choir. You know what I'm saying? The school choir. And um when I got into high school, um, my freshman year, I was in the choir. And uh, had the, the the worst experience ever at a Christmas program, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I had to do ad libs on uh, the song Silent Night by the Temptations. I it was it was horrible. And then uh, my senior year, I ended up getting back in choir. And at that time, my dad's uh, eldest brother became the choir director at our school, and uh, he was a very well known organist, choir director, uh, and songwriter. Um, in the GMWA and, you know, in, in our state. And, um, <laughs> and I remember him just like the first day I walked in, he was, why are you here? And I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, this is on my schedule, baby. What's up? You know? And, uh, and I, I didn't grow up around much of my dad. I didn't grow up with my dad. I didn't grow up around much of his family. Um, but my, my uncle, his name was Roosevelt Pine. He and I, uh, you know, started to, you know, like develop a really good relationship. And that year, man, he coached me into making uh, the Louisiana All-State Choir. And um, and from that, I got a, a I ended up auditioning and getting a choir scholarship along with the academic scholarship that I had at uh, Graham State University. So I go to Graham State University. I'm in the, you know, university uh, choir on scholarship. And as well, I've become a believer. Um my junior year in high school and uh, going into my senior year. And uh, when I got to college, um, I was a part of a campus ministry at Grambling State. And I started uh, just singing, you know, on on the praise team, singing in the background. And after the first year, our praise and worship leader goes off to a co-op and the pastor goes, hey, Al, the Lord is uh, saying that you are going to be our next praise worship leader. And I was like, you don't hear the Lord clearly at all. <laughs> I was like, I was like not, not. And, but, but unbeknownst to me, man, you know, our ministry and our worship, you know, saying started to grow and, and I led worship there for a number of years. And, um, 
And then I just, you know what I'm saying? Like I would just periodically, you know what I'm saying, pick up music here and there, but I just wasn't, you know, there was nothing in me that was like, you know, I'm going to do anything musically. You know, I'll be honest in saying that, you know, at one time you couldn't tell me that I wasn't the fifth member of Boys Ben. Like, you know, I was just, I used to, yeah, I used to think I was one yay. One Ye's clone, you know, so they clone one Ye and Al right. one of them, you feel me? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, man. So, um, I, I got challenged one time to uh, get into the studio because our local, uh, Christian TV station, um, Lamb Broadcasting, I was working there and they used to do a biannual, uh, fundraiser on, uh, on, on air, uh, live on air. And, uh, they had uh, just one of those unfortunate accidents where, or incidents where, uh, a couple of the singers didn't make it. And so they were fishing for singers and I just go, Hey, I, I can sing. And, uh, and so the owner takes a chance on me. I get on live TV one night and I sing, uh, let the praise begin by Fred Hammond and, uh, phone lines start blowing up and everything. And they, I would hear them say over and over, Al, you should record that. You should record that. So one day I go into a studio and I take like every track that I had at the time uh, to record. So it was like five Fred Hammond songs and one John P. Key song. And that was, to be honest, to be honest, that was all I really knew about gospel. I will backtrack a little bit and say that growing up, I didn't really, I didn't really listen to gospel music that much. Uh, we would hear it on Sunday mornings when we played the radio. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't listen to gospel music that much. Um, you know, I grew up on like Freddie Jackson and, and uh, Stephanie right. Mills and Betty Wright. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's like, it. That was, that was the music that my mom would, <laughs> you know, would play. And then on Sunday mornings, we, you know, we'd hear the Clark sisters, you know, and stuff like that. So there was a lot of things that I was just really ignorant to when it came to gospel and the gospel sound and gospel artists. And so uh, the day after I graduated from high school, uh, my mentor, uh, Derek Nation, rest his soul, uh, was like, hey, man. I got a job for you if you want it. And I'm like, sure, where? He's like at the gospel radio station. He was the general manager at the time. It was a podunk gospel radio station on AM dial that was on from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, every day. And so he was like, man, I would love you to do the morning show. So that was my introduction really to this whole world of gospel music that I had no idea of. So that was in 1996, bro. And that was when I got introduced to uh, commissioned. I had never heard of them. I had never heard. Um, I had never heard of Fred. Uh, I had never heard of Dietrich Hatton. Uh, like I was getting introduced to all these cats, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was like, what is the deal? And then I got introduced to, um, Grape Tree Records. There was a, a oh, album yeah. called Music. It was a <laughs> <No> compilation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a it was a it was a compilation album that got sent to the radio station called Music to Ride to Volume Two, and they had like Lil Rascal, Antonius, New Wine, Prime yeah. Minister, you know, all them cats on there. So I'm listening to the music. I'm like, oh, this is dope. And then I ran into. Tone A, you know what I'm saying? Like, you yes, know, sir. and I was just like, well, this guy is just, you know, different. So right. um, I ended up recording those songs um, and they were, it was trash. It was like, it was the worst recording ever, but it was the first time I was in the studio. And yeah. um, when I, when I finished um, my degree at Grandma State, um, I started teaching school and uh, one of my coworkers was like, Hey Al, if you, uh, 
uh, she knew that I sung. She saw me on TV and she was like, I'm looking for a background to record in the studio with me. I need a tenor. And I was like, OK, cool. So I go to the studio, lay the parts down. Then she goes, uh, uh, the her producer and uh, engineer goes, hey, man, you ever consider recording? I was like, I think about it from time to time. But you know, said, man, if you ever want to do something like, like let's let's get it. So, you know, I had this little keyboard that I had programmed one beat on before. And I was like, yeah. So I go to him with it and we recorded it. And it was this song called Dance With Me, the worst song I ever want to hear. So so anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like I I recorded that song and then like, I'm just like, man. So he was like, man, I'm going to do some beats for you. And so I was like, cool. And during that process, man, like I ended up meeting Tony and I ended up meeting Claude Deuce. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and I ended up meeting all these people. And uh and Claude, you know, I, I tell this story very fondly. Claude was one of the first people in my life that I looked at like, like that was on a pedestal for me. And still is, but on a pedestal for me. And like he was like, Man, I want to bless you with a track. And he sent me a track that I mean, we still perform the song to this day called Praise Party. And um and that was really what kind of got me started. And so, you know, when, when I dropped my first album in 2004, it was a bro, it was like a, a cult classic in, in my neighborhood, in my community, because nobody had ever done that. Now, people were doing music all over the world, but in our area, nobody had produced their own project like that, you know, and it and it had like, you know, hip hop and RB sounding gospel music. Right. Um, but then um, I was challenged by one of my students in teaching school. And uh, when we would take tests, I would, you know, saying like play gospel music, but I would play, you know, R, you know, R&B, hip hop gospel. So like I would have like a rotation of Tone, Dietrich, Montreal, Derek, Commissioned, you know, saying uh, C-Note, you know, saying uh, Danielle <laughs> Harris. Like, you know, what I'm saying? like yeah, I would have like this rotation of, of music. It might be, you know, what I'm saying like and then like I would slide one of my songs in in a rotation, too. And one day one of my students goes, hey, Mr. Cherry, that's you. And I'm like, yeah. And he just bust out laughing. I was like, what's funny, son? And he was like, I mean, you cool, but your beats whack. And I was like. Why wreck any beat? So the next day he comes to school with this blank CD that had like 21 uh, mainstream instrumentals on it. And he was like, get one. I said, I get all of them. So no lie, I give my students busy work that entire day and I'm writing to these songs. I go to uh, Office Depot after work by a Logitech headset microphone. I had Adobe Audition on my computer. Uh, I had too much of an echo in the room, so I held a quilt over my head and recorded four of the songs. Took it back to school the next day. He's like, Mr. Chair, you got one? I said, I got four of them and I put it on and all my students start, oh, Mr. Chair, please burn me a copy, burn me a copy, burn me a and next thing I know, it just that was when it was just like poof. Yeah. And you know, um, when I put out the first album, I had gotten invited to do like a New Year's Eve show. Uh, and the first album, bro, like it was like 14 tracks strong, but like 10 of them were songs. Like I was singing, and mm-hmm. three of them were raps. And so the, the church that booked me, they were like, Can you just come and do the rap songs? And I was like, okay. So that was what it was. But when I when I did the four mainstream instrumentals, you know what I'm saying? Like I started to realize the response that I was getting from the youth. And at the time, my thought process was 
just giving the kids and the young people, like I've always had this thought of be like, let me give people what I wish somebody had given me when I was that age. So that was how I approached teaching, you know, math, you know what I'm saying? And how I pr- approached ministry and then how I was approaching the music. It was like, man, I want to give these kids something that I wish somebody had given me, you know what I'm saying, when I was their age. So, um, yeah, man. So I just took that and made that into a full-fledged mixtape, um, you know, six, and we dropped the mixtape and it spread like wildfire. I had no idea that people were burning it, you know, all over the state. Yeah. And then I was like, well, if this is what that is, let's drop another one. So I dropped another one, the Son of Jarrell mixtape volume two. And uh, that song featured this joint that I had called Backman. And that was like the first yeah. song that was on my MySpace page. And I right. remember getting, getting a phone call from Tony A.B. Slade. And he was like, he left me a voicemail because I was fishing. And he was like, I need you to call me about this uh, secular mess that you have on your uh, MySpace page. So I called him like very nervous, thinking I'm about to get rebuked. And I was like, hey, what's going <laughs> on? And he was like, he was like, this secular foolishness that you have on your MySpace page called Backman. I was like, yes, sir. He was like, send it to me right now. He was like, that's the most creative thing I'd ever heard in a minute. And at the time, he had a nationally syndicated radio show called Club Virtue. Yep. So yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He dropped Backman on Club Virtue. And the next thing I know, the next time I was at the Dove Awards, I ran into DJ Wheel from Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. I ran into <laughs> uh, Derek Minor, who was pro at the time. Right. And all these cats <laughs> knew who I was by that song. Crazy. And it was like around that time that I was like, whoa, okay. You know what I'm saying? Something must, you know, be up. And you know what I'm saying? From there, it really kind of started to, you know, develop into what it is today. So Al, you was actually a singer. Yeah, man. See, mm-hmm. see, okay, let me just let me explain something to you. Pray for me. Because this, <laughs> this is where I am right now in my life. I am uh-huh. asking God to help me get confidence back. I lost my confidence. I'm not going to lie. And I ain't scared to say it. You feel me? I lost right. confidence when it comes to singing because all my best friends are like the most phenomenal singers I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. So, so I'm talking about Beast Slade. I'm talking about Claude Harris Jr. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about Danielle Harris. I'm talking about Roshan Eve. I'm talking about Kyla J. These are people like they flat can go. And these are people that I can literally call at three o'clock in the morning and be like, man, y'all got some hamburgers. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, <laughs> this is like, this is how close and personal, you know what I'm saying? The friendships and relationships, you know what I'm saying? Are. And it's like to have those people around me. And man, when I listen to them sing, I'm so in awe, like so in awe. And so it was like, I was just like, man, I'm, you know what I'm saying? But then at the same time, I was like, well, you know, what was taken off of me was rap. So like, I was like, let's just rap. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to go through the doors that were opening for me. And so I wasn't going to try to force the issue that I'm a singer, you know what I'm saying? Or that, that I, you know, would sing, but like, I would just go in like that, you know what I'm saying? But it was like, man, what's so crazy is of, of all the people that I named, all of them are the people who are in my corner, like, or they'll tell people he's a singer, like they'll like, or they'll say, you know, Al, I love to hear you singing. It's like, Nah, 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 this, that's like, nah, but it's so, I've been, I've been asking, you know, saying that God gave me my confidence back with it, but man, yeah, that's, I started out like point blank singer. Like it was just that, like, you know, and then, you know, I, when I, after I got COVID in 2020, um, 
I did lose. <clears throat> I, I've, I've still been affected um, with my falsetto. Like it's no, it's nowhere. It's not even existing anymore. Like it's crazy ever since I had COVID. But like, um, yeah, man, I, I started out singing. It's, it's so weird because you know I've I've tried to, except for the last full project I did, Alfred. Um, mm-hmm. Every album I put out, I try to put a song on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just to like make sure, like you know, uh, here's a song. You know what I'm saying? Here's a song. You know, and uh, and yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, um, I just, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm comfortable in you know spitting, and that's why I do. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, but I sing a little bit. You know, I do. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up, man. Yes, sir. Man, look. Um, going back to Sean real quick, Sean. Man, when was it when you were DJing that you felt like, okay, yeah, like this is me, this is it right here? Like, when did people just started like hitting you up uh, on the regular to start doing events? About what time? Man, I was mm, eighteen, nineteen. Okay, and uh, it was like you know, I, 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 I got some skills, man, because I used to make tapes, literally tapes. You know what I'm saying? And um, so I would make tapes, record them, pass them along to friends, that kind of thing. And it was kind of like one of those things like, yo, man, uh, hey, man, what you do? Once you do this party for me, da, da, da. So I was like, OK, yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll do it. You know what I mean? Because at the time, man, I was just basically a bedroom DJ, man, because one of the things I was doing, I was just practicing you know and that was the thing you know make sure i sharpen up on the skills and so what i would do is uh i'll record you know scratches you know do some mixing because what made djing easy for me was being that i play drums so bpms and beat matching was 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 like easy for me to make that transition so i was like well i i know i knew beats so that was that was easy to to be able to learn and mix. It didn't take me long to learn and mix. And mm-hmm. then when I was into uh, beat making, all that made the transition into DJing. But yeah, once I started recording, kind of like passing out tapes and stuff to my friends, that kind of was like, hey, you know, once you do this party for me or this event for me, and you know, it kind of took off. You know what I'm saying? So then, as as I got better at it because I was still kind of like I didn't try to do a lot of stuff because my equipment was shabby first of all Um, and then like I said I I felt like I was pretty good but when I saw the response of the crowd when I was doing it was kind of like okay yeah 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 I, I think I got something here and so that took off man I mean that's 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 what did it I mean you know, yeah. but I always had like people in my corner always just kind of like pushing me that, you know, to keep doing your thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. And we're going to take a little pause right here. I'm going to play this track called PSA. This is off of Super Friends. I'm going to give them a little bit of this. I want them to hear some of your scratching. And um, we're going we're gonna to hear uh, Al spit a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to play my part, but uh, we'll be right back. On that too. <laughs> we'll be right back. Let me pray 
Alright, told y'all, told y'all, man. Uh, DJ Sean Blue, legendary. My man, Big Al, legendary. Let me just t- tell you all a little bit about how my whole thing got started. I was talking to my mom today, right? And she was telling me, reminding me that at two years old, I sang the first solo um, when we started the church. We started New Life. It was Church of God in Christ, 1982. I'm two years old. And I sing, I know the Lord will fix it for you by Reverend F.C. Barnes, right? So I'm singing that. And uh, yeah, let me play a little bit real quick. I know. All right, so I'm two years old singing that. I don't know what I knew about the Lord fixing anything, but you know, <laughs> evidently they had been playing it around me a lot, and I picked it up. But I was talking to my mom today. She said that she noticed even before we started the church, she said she would have me in the car playing the radio. She said, and she noticed I would mimic the radio. Like, I would hear stuff. She said, and you would, you would sing it back on key. She said, and um, she's like, oh, he can sing. She said, it just hit her. She was like, oh, he can sing. And like, she would play other stuff. And she said that I would, I would just like, you know, I would echo it. Like once I learned how to to talk and, you know, just repeat, I would echo something like a vocal run or a vocal line. I would echo it. And she was like, oh, he can sing. And so, you know, I think, I thank God for my mom just kind of honing that gift. And I was telling Sean the other day, she turned me loose on the record collection. She showed me how to work uh, the phonograph and was like, hey, these are the records. This is how you play them. You know, I started getting into all kinds of music. And I think that's where a lot of my just my style comes from. Just all these different places I was able to kind of grab from at an early age. And um, so the singing, definitely, she influenced that, you know, and she would play the whinings. Monster. Oh, that's monster. Exactly. <laughs> she would play the wine and she would play the Pay Sisters, the Clark Sisters. Um, man, I used to listen to the old Jackson Southern Airs, Williams yeah. Brothers. I knew, but then on the flip side, we listened to the blues, like Johnny Taylor, uh, Bobby Blue Bland, uh, BB King, just all these different people, Clarence Carter. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh, Clarence, <laughs> Clarence Carter. Like, I, I knew Clarence Carter songs when I was like six <laughs> or seven. It's crazy, but um, but then the whole like musician thing, you know, I, I think a lot of people start out on drums. You know, I was a drummer first, round nine. I remember my dad gave me a bass guitar, 11. I'm just starting sixth grade. I'm, I'm in, you know, trying to be in a band. Um, I picked up the saxophone. Then third, maybe, maybe around the same age, 11, 12, I started kind of just doodling on the keyboard or whatever and started playing for our church at 13. But the production thing kind of happened from me like reading credits, reading the credits. I remember John P. Key's colorblind album. Oh, the minor credits. Stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember reading that he did, you know, his name was on everything on some of these tracks. Mm-hmm. I was like, how? You know what I'm saying? I was like, how? 
And, you know, we we came up in that time, there was no YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no YouTube. There's no tutorials on how to produce. I mean, you can go there now and you can watch people from start to finish how they made a beat. We didn't have that. So I had to ask questions and we would go to other churches and I would see certain keyboards that I didn't have. And, you know, I heard something about a sequencer and I would sometimes I would see people play beats off of a keyboard. So I just kind of just asked questions, did some research, go to music stores, tell them what I was looking at doing. Pops finally got me a Roland XP 50. And mm. even before that, he had bought the church a Kurzweil Mark 10 keyboard that actually had programming capabilities on it. That so we I just was, got rid of. We just got rid of. Yeah, I think, I think Deacon Water picked that up, right? Yeah, Deacon got it. <laughs> and so, man, I um I would program stuff on that. And, um, you know, the beats, the, the percussion would be whack. Sometimes the percussion would just be whatever was like factory preset. Um, but when I got the XP50, I could actually make my own like beat patterns, but it was still factory sounds from within the keyboard. And so I did my whole first album. I started on it in 90, 97 um, and I released it in 99. It was called Gotta Start Somewhere. Yep. But John P. Key and Teddy Riley were like the motivation for me. Both of them, like, I was like, man, I remember, man, I, I had the, uh, I had the talk box. When I was a teenager. Oh, wow. I, I had a talk box when I was a teenager. I used to play it in church. So, you know, th those are my influences, man. And just just trying to. And then, man, just like Al, man, I came in contact with this cat named Tony. And I was like, man, I had I had a stint where I was like dancing and singing for a while. <laughs> I, was, I had a dance routine. Yeah, he had he had two dancers. I had two dancers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I remember, man, I think it was in 99, I opened up for Mary Mary. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> downtown Augusta. and um, Bell Auditorium. Bell Auditorium, man. And I had two dancers. And I had done the tracks. I had tracked out the entire show. Uh, I had elements of, like, Busta Rhymes in the show. He oh, yeah. A song called Get Out, Get Out. Get out of here. We were just telling the devil. We were telling depression, <laughs> anxiety. Get out. Get out. It was crazy, man. But those are those early influences. And I think it was around that time, meeting Tone and opening up for Mary Mary. And just moments like that was when I realized I was like, man, this could really be something for me. And then, of course, you know, as you, you get further into it, you start finding ways to better what you do. And um, it took me a long time to really feel like people was taking um, the production seriously because I, I just felt like my production was whack for so long. And then maybe around young elder time, 2007, 2008 and nine, I started feeling like, OK, I'm finally stepping up a little bit as a producer, you know, and then the, the whole songwriting thing. So that's going to help me segue into probably my first industry wake-up call thank you for listening to the underrated dudes podcast join us next week as we tackle industry stories and wake-up calls this is the underrated dudes podcast